Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Weijo. I'm the host for this show. In my daytime job, I'm the chief financial officer for Binance. I joined Binance from the traditional financial world, where I served as the chief financial officer for several Chinese and American companies, two of which were listed on Nasdaq and the New York Stock Exchange. Since I've joined Binance, I basically have witnessed a lot more people who are becoming more and more interested in blockchain and cryptocurrency. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer. All opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Binance Podcast.、Uh, today, I'm joined by Caleb Yeo, who is the CEO and founder of Travel by Bit,、uh, which is a Brisbane-based company in Australia that Binance actually invested in in the second half of 2018. We're really happy to join、uh, to discuss the impact of、um, cryptocurrency and blockchain as a whole have had on the travel and tourism industry, with especially to Australia. So Caleb,、um, thank you for joining the Binance podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. So before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then what was life like for you before crypto? Okay. What was life BC? I used to work in the commercial team for Shell Australia, and before that, I worked for a bunch of other large mining corporations. Not like Bitcoin mining, but the physical stuff, like gold, iron ore, coal. Cause、uh, Australia is really good at digging stuff up and sending to China. If you haven't noticed, it's quite ironic、uh, actually these days. Like、uh, in the crypto world, China is actually mining Bitcoin and sending a lot of that back to Australia. Cause Australians really love crypto. Anyways, I came from a traditional corporate background. I'm a certified practicing accountant. I've got a major in commercial law, and here I am now running a Bitcoin travel company. But what made you sort of like jump on board? Were you like an early adopter, early like、um, you know Bitcoin? You you caught the Bitcoin bug like way back early, or like I'm curious. It's in terms of like how did you make the link from、uh, working in the corporate environment as an accountant for the various mining companies, and then for Shell to to sort of like decide to go into crypto and also decide to start your own business. Well, I, I guess that's the great thing about this ecosystem, right? I mean, I see every day different people from different walks of life getting involved. Doesn't really matter what your background is or what your skills are. This is a really new space, and there's a lot of opportunities, and anyone can participate. How I got into crypto? It's a long story. I live in Australia now, but I, I originate from Malaysia, and I got into crypto because I experienced firsthand how a corrupt and centralized government. Could devalue the national currency and put all its citizens into massive national debt. You might have read about the, you know, the one MDB scandal. Yes,、uh, I've when... read. Not so. We'll do a side note on the one MDB scandal. I've read the book, The Billion Dollar Whale, recently. You know, I think I started off my career at Goldman, and then. Uh, Joe Lowe's brother, you know, we actually sat across the desk from each other when I was at Goldman. I was overlapped with Joe Lowe's brother for about a year. I've lost、no、touch.、Way. Yeah, I've lost touch with them ever since. But I only sort of like made a connection about who Joe Lowe and Zen Lowe are 
when I read about their uh, their bottle popping champagne parties in Central Pay with Paris Hilton. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I used to sit across the desk from this guy and now his brother's a big shot. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it, right? And then the second person that was mentioned prominently in the Joe Lowe book was Tim Leisner. I actually closed my first deal at Goldman and Tim was my MD, or he was the ED at Goldman then. So I think Goldman figured quite prominently in that book or, or in the one IMDB scandal. For those listeners who do not know, uh, definitely go read the book, The Billion Dollar Well, and then definitely read up about the scandal and how international financial institutions willingly helped a corrupt uh, government, I think, steal billions of dollars from its own people. Yep, I mean, the prime minister was involved. Uh, it was the largest half in the world. I think over 4.5 billion US dollars was stolen from taxpayers, siphoned off to family and friends of the prime minister. The money, like you said, way, was used to fund Paris Hilton parties, luxury yachts, a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Uh, and, and even it funded, uh, I mean, reached uh, scandalous proportions. It funded The Wolf of Wall Street. That movie got made and actually won an Oscar. Yeah. The guy, uh, Joe Lowe, like, was, uh, was chasing after Miranda Kerr and gave her like, like millions of dollars of jewelry. I think he, yeah. bought, he bought Leo DiCaprio a Picasso painting. Yeah. So all of these things had to be returned. So, anyhow, so you witnessed firsthand sort of the corruption within that kind oh, of within yeah. that environment. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, uh, it was uh, entire Malaysian taxpayers' money that funded those parties. This is unbelievable stuff. They're going to have to make a movie out of this. At the heart of all this money laundering, like you said, were big financial institutions. And these days, everyone's worried about money laundering on crypto. But, man, this sort of stuff happens in, in the big banks. As a Malaysian, I guess our national currency called the ringgit steadily shrunk in value. Because of the scandal, I, I saw many hardworking Malaysians saving up all this cash only to see it all eaten away through inflation and devaluation of our currency. I know many families were pushed into poverty during this time. It was very, very sad. And the frustrating thing was that everyone knew this corruption was taking place because all this was openly reported in the foreign media. Millions were being transferred to the, you know, the prime minister's personal account. His wife would fly to New York on crazy shopping sprees where she would buy up entire shops. Uh, and we all knew this was happening, but we couldn't do anything because the government at the time had centralized control of the banks, control of the courts, control of the election commission. For many years, this went on until the whole system finally fell apart and social revolution took place and overthrew the government. But during all those years, many Malaysians turned to Bitcoin to store their wealth. Some of the journalists and opposition leaders who were being prosecuted used Bitcoin as a way to survive when the government came after their bank accounts. So it was during this time when I got involved with Bitcoin as well. And I, and I just want to give a really grateful shout out to Claire, the journalist who risked her life and exposed that 1MDB story. For Malaysians, she will always be remembered as the reporter that helped bring down our corrupt government. She was the UK journalist that went to Malaysia and covered the story, right? I remember. Yeah, yeah, no, she lived in Malaysia. That's how I got involved, just seeing firsthand what centralized control would, could do and the importance of having a neutral, independent store value where anyone could access, right? Bitcoin at that time was a lifeboat for many Malaysians. And how did you move from sort of general involvement into Bitcoin into your startup, Travel by Bit? I'm a big kite surfer. I travel the world looking for the best winds and wave conditions to go kiting. 
And it was one time I traveled to this remote village in Sri Lanka many years ago, slightly after the civil war. The infrastructure was very poor. There were no ATMs. And uh, you had to travel basically with a big wad of cash in, in your pocket. That wasn't really the safest thing to do. So I was backpacking around in Sri Lanka on this old bus. And on one particular journey, I had this big wad of cash, which I hid in my dirty old sock in my bag. I was so tired, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, that wad of cash was gone. What? Where were you? So I found myself stranded in this village at a motel that I had booked, but I had no money on me to pay. No, where? Where were you? Where? where, where? The village is called Kapitiya in Sri Lanka. It, it was an amazing kite surfing spot. They couldn't take credit cards because all the overseas banks sort of deemed Sri Lanka to be too high risk for fraud at that time. I literally was in the middle of nowhere. I had no way to pay. But the owner was really nice. He said I could stay, go home and find a way to pay when I get back to Australia. Yeah, and I found out that he did this for many of his guests as well. You know, for whatever reason, they ran out of money. And, but really, that's, that's no way to run a business. You can't kind of just ask people to pay later. I don't know how many people actually end up paying. But I did notice this. Even then, they all had smartphones. They, they couldn't pay by Visa MasterCard, but everyone had a smartphone. So I figured, what if they could take Bitcoin? You know, they don't need a bank account, uh, just a smartphone, some basic internet, which they had. They could take payments in crypto. So I, this is how the idea for Travel by Bit started. This is when I started becoming passionate about promoting uh, using crypto for travel. And what is Travel by Bit today? So Travel by Bit is an online travel booking platform for the crypto community. It's like the Expedia for crypto folk. Uh, you could book your flight, accommodation, uh, anywhere in the world and pay in crypto. It provides a service for folks who don't want Visa and MasterCard capturing their spending data, I guess. And also for those who are new to crypto uh, or those who want to hodl crypto, you can pay with your dirty fiat money and you can earn rewards in Bitcoin. I guess Booking.com and other large entities take up to 15% clip on all travel bookings. If you book with us, we return some of that margin to you in Bitcoin. You yourself, you guys are based in, in, in Queensland, Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think when I first met you, the travel website itself was still in development phase, but you guys had received a significant amount of support from the Queensland government in the yep. early days of your business. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? And I also know that, at least when I visited the airport, there's a ton of crypto payments accepted there. And that you guys also have a sort of an offline network um, point-of-sales network all around Queensland as well. Uh, yes, well, uh, not just Queensland, but all around Australia. Our main product is an online travel booking platform, but another thing that we do for the community is we help any small business or merchant to accept payments in crypto. So we've been rolling out a crypto point-of-sale system in Australia for the last few years. And you're right, Brisbane Airport signed up as a partner, so you can land in Brisbane Airport, Shop at duty free, your airport transfers, travel all the way to even now this uh, little small little surf town on the Great Barrier Reef and pay for your entire journey in crypto. And I think that's a, a really cool use case. At the end of the day, Australia is just a test case. We want to take this concept to the rest of the developing world where this is truly needed. Like places where tourism and access to basic commerce could have a profound you know, impact on the quality of life for people. I mean, like some places where Visa and MasterCard can't go because of fraud risk, uh, we want to take our payment system to uh, places where all you need is a phone and, and you don't need to establish a bank.
So from my understanding, then travel by bit is basically the crypto tourism business where you want to provide ultimately an end-to-end solution for anyone that want to use their crypto to travel. From the beginning of your journey where you can book your travels, it'd be that airfare or a hotel with your cryptocurrency or with your fiat, but then you can get rebates in crypto. And then once you get to that destination, ideally then the destinations themselves will take crypto as well. And it seems like Australia, from my understanding, with the support of the local government and some of the airports there, there's a lot of offline retail now that actually are starting to, not starting, but, you know, from my understanding, like more than 400 or 500 locations that you can spend your crypto at. Bitcoin, BNB, or, or Litecoin, or et cetera, right? Uh, that's right. The, the network is growing every day. We're still at the very early stages of uh, spending crypto. Most people are accumulating crypto, right? Uh, but the reason why I'm so passionate about uh, pushing a use case to spend crypto, I feel that we have to start somewhere. If Laszlo didn't make that first 10,000 Bitcoin pizza transaction, who knows, right? It still might be 10,000 Bitcoins per pizza, right? So you, we have to start adoption somewhere. Here's the funny thing, though. I mean, most people like to talk about buying Lambos with Bitcoin. For me, it's not about that. It's, we should hodl Bitcoin so you don't buy a Lambo, but you should Buy a coffee, something small, uh, make some small transactions so, so to get the network going. Um, that's what I believe. Can you talk a little bit about the government policies? Because uh, I know you have very favorable tax rates and then the government of Queensland has actually is an investor in travel by bid as well. And I think because of these progressive policies, Queensland is actually has built a quite a name for itself as a tourism destination for the crypto world. True. Just to clarify, uh, the Queensland government provided us uh, grants. They're not invested, but they provided uh, some grants to help grow the tourism industry. Uh, and in terms of policy in Australia, I guess like many other jurisdictions, Australia treats crypto like property. And so it could be looked at in two ways. You could look at it as an investment property or it could be like a personal use property. So in, in Australia, a lot of people use crypto because they're trying to build up a case where it's a personal use asset. Uh, and to build up that case where it's a personal use asset, where you get exemptions from capital gains tax, you need to show a consistent pattern of use. So it's not a case where you can just buy crypto, order it for the long term, and then uh, sell it one day and say you don't want to pay tax. But you actually have to show that you bought crypto and you are using it every day as currency. And then you might get an exemption from tax. It's very similar like if you bought uh, US dollars, uh, and then you went on holiday to spend the U.S. dollars. You don't have to pay taxes on the gain if the U.S. dollar had gain in value. But if you had bought U.S. dollars and use it just for trading the FX, you have to pay taxes on that. I think most people don't know that much about the region. A lot of us know that Australia is a really cool place to visit. You got Bondi Beach, you got Sydney Harbor. But what's there to see in Queensland? And where can I spend my crypto? Well, in Queensland, we have the world's first crypto town. There's a small little town on the Great Barrier Reef where a concentration of merchants take payments in crypto. Uh, so you could book cruise right out to this really amazing coral reef island. You can pay all that with crypto. You could go for surfing lessons. You could go for four-wheel drive on the beach. All sort of amazing tourist activities. You could just book and pay everything in crypto. It's not just Queensland as well. Uh, we've got pockets of merchants 
all around Australia, everywhere from Darwin to Perth to Sydney to even South Australia. Crypto is a social movement. Can I find all those places on Travel by Bit on your website? Yeah, if you go to Travel by Bit onto our merchant map or onto our stats page, you can see where all our merchants are and uh, you can even see who's spending what crypto at which merchant. Uh, I think that's a really interesting feature. Very cool. And can you tell me a little bit about, you know, don't hold back here, just what are some of the key things that you see when you talk to other places? Like, for example, when you talk to merchants, right, or when you talk to airports and you pitch them the idea of, of the ability to take payments in crypto, what are some of the challenges that, you, that you're seeing? Crypto is very, very new for most people. In the crypto community, we talk among ourselves and we know a lot about it and we think that everyone should know about it. But the reality is when you go to most folks, they don't know crypto. They're scared of crypto. I think half of the staff in Brisbane Airport, when we first introduced them to crypto, they thought that Bitcoin was a scam. <laughs> uh, this is true. I mean, this is the reality on the ground. I mean, most people are unfamiliar with crypto. Uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge. So there's two challenges. People think that crypto can't be used for anything. And that's what we're trying to solve by showing that, you can, yes, you can use it. Uh, but also those who believe crypto is still a scam, I think it's, it's very important to dismiss some of those myths. Uh, and so part of merchant adoption is we have to overcome that stigma and that social barrier where people are thinking that Bitcoin's only used to buy drugs. I mean, here's the cool thing as well, right? I mean, we signed up a chemist the other day, so you actually can buy drugs with Bitcoin. Pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical. Yeah, yeah pharmaceutical. Because <laughs> I know that, like, you guys do a lot of really cool campaigns in terms of, like, you know, getting a beer, getting coffee, getting snacks, those kind of things. I mean, I see, I see you guys are quite active on social media with these type of activities. Yeah. Because I think one of the complaints about Bitcoin, at least, is actually the speed, right? The transaction takes time, so it's kind of cumbersome. But how has that user experience been improved the last few months with the Lightning Network, as well as you guys adding more coins into, into support? For example, I know now BNB is accepted in all these places. True. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation that's saying that Bitcoin's slow, Bitcoin can't scale, Bitcoin is too energy hungry. I mean, that's a lot of bullcrap, right? A lot of these myths are spread by those who push their own investments or sell their own projects. The truth is the second layer scaling of Bitcoin is there already. So the Lightning Networks are growing day by day. We partner up with Wallet of Satoshi. Since they're launched, you can see on the stats, they've had over 65,000 transactions on the Lightning Network since they launched a few months ago. That's really amazing. That really shows you how fast Lightning Network adoption is growing. And there are also other chains. Like you said, the BNB chain now is super fast as well you've got different options for payments. So there are many options to pay in crypto and they can be fast and efficient. Uh, people often evaluate crypto in a static state. I think people should always look that this thing is evolving and the technology will get better and better. And I've no doubt that we will be able to scale beyond Visa and MasterCard payments. I think we've dug a little bit about the offline aspects of Travel by Bits business. And we'll go back to the online travel bit and why the travel business? Because I know it's a personal hobby of yours, but why online travel? I think for most people, there are already a lot of options out there for them to book travel, right? Especially in the fiat world. True. Well, here's the thing. I have friends who, who sort of ask me, you know, when should I get into Bitcoin? Uh, should I buy now or not? And, I, and I, I've always been in a hard position to say whether they should buy or not. Because if it goes down, they kind of blame you. They might kind of blame you. Uh, and so, Of course, of course uh, they so, do. 
And even 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 when you ask, even when you tell them not to buy, they'll blame you when the price goes up too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I wanted to design uh, something to help onboard new users as well. So that's why on Travel by Bit, what we do is we give a bit of rewards in Bitcoin to get new people into the ecosystem. So the next time your friend asks you, hey, "Should I buy Bitcoin now?" you can say no. You can just go on Travel by Bit. Book up your next holiday, and they'll give you a little bit of Bitcoin for free. And they will go in, and they will have that experience where they have a little bit of Bitcoin. And if they see it go up, and they might get excited, they might get into it, they might try to download a wallet and try to make a few transactions. And I think that's really important to get more people interested in the ecosystem. So why travel? I think travel is a place where it makes the most sense because、um, Bitcoin and crypto is really useful for cross-border payments. And the travel industry is just full of friction when it comes to、uh, cross-border payments. If you go to any airport and you try to convert your money from one currency to another currency, you're you're losing like five、uh, to six percent spread. So I think crypto will change how the travel industry works. No, that that's really cool. Actually, the rewards aspects of it, because then you let people experience ownership of Bitcoin without having to invest money into it. And do you see that? Do you see that as a main path to adoption? Then,、uh, I do. I, I I do think we need to get more new people into this ecosystem. A lot of communities these days they are trying to compete against each other in the crypto space. I really like what CZ has said. The outside market is even bigger out there. We don't have to compete within ourselves for a small percentage of the pie. We need to bring more people into the ecosystem. We need to go for the ninety percent who are not in crypto. And I think travel is a very attractive way to get these people into the crypto ecosystem. Okay, that's really cool. And what's next on the product roadmap for you guys?、Uh, we're experimenting with a lot of different things. One of the cool things that we would like to launch is a corporate function, where different blockchain or decentralized organizations who pay their volunteers or their global teams with crypto, and they are all dispersed all over the world. They could come and use our Against corporate offering and prepay a sum of crypto to manage the cost of all their different team members across the world, I think could provide a very good solution to help coordinate and manage the cost for a lot of these decentralized organizations. How can they reach out to you? Say for people who are listening that run organizations that you mentioned, how do they reach out? Do they just go to travelbybit.com, and then there's a you know there's a help desk they can go to. Ah,、uh, yeah, they can reach out to travelbybit. dot com.、Uh, we are always looking for passionate organizations or passionate people to help drive adoption, or they can connect directly to me on Twitter、uh, at Bitcoin Kangaroo. At Bitcoin Kangaroo, great. I think we're coming to an end here. There's two other points I want to cover. One is,、um, so you mentioned adoption.、Uh, one of the sort of the more topical areas that's been in the news the last last week now or, or nonstop is actually the Facebook coin Libra.、Um, will that help adoption? Today, 1.7 billion individuals don't have access to basic financial services. Right? We live in an increasingly global and interconnected world,、uh, and yet our financial system is still very segregated. I think the Facebook coin can help connect the world financially and solve some of these issues. I think Bitcoin is already doing that, but the Facebook coin will have much more reach in the short term. But don't get me wrong; it scares the heck out of me that a、uh, Big name like Facebook,、uh, which has so much control already, would have that additional amount of control on the payment system. But if they do it right and they try to keep it decentralized,
maybe the project could bring a lot of good. I, I'm hoping that the community could also help shape some of those decisions with the Facebook coin. And I would like to see it a little bit more decentralized. But I think overall, it could be a good thing. Yeah. So I think overall, it's a good thing. But the benefits uh, of it, I'm actually pretty bear, like pretty bearish on Facebook's ability to manage this. Just because you've seen the mess they've made out of personal data and, per, and data privacy issues. Because they have the, the real social sociograph on like almost two, three billion people in the world. And now if, if they have the money a graph of the two or three people in the world, they, they have more power than, than, you know, more power concentrated uh, under Zuck than any other organization or any other individual the world has ever seen. So, I mean, that's the dystopian aspects of it. But I do think that them putting a, a well thought out plan out there for the world to see in a white paper format, that level of transparency I was actually pleasantly surprised by. And I think that's just going to drive more organizations to look towards crypto. I mean, I think one of the best things is that the Facebook coin, or it actually killed the whole blockchain, but not crypto uh, commu- <laughs> argument. <laughs> so you guys, you guys took money from, uh, from Binance end of last year. How has that investment helped travel by a bit? And then how have you guys aligned yourself you know, with what Binance is doing? Oh, uh, that's a great question. More than money, I think the Binance Network has been amazing. Everyone works really hard. There's so many opportunities to work together with other parts of the Binance ecosystem. It's a bit overwhelming sometimes. I mean, I think you describe it best. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, there's just so many connections, so many opportunities to work on uh, all in one time. I think our values at Travel by Bit really align with Binance. I believe crypto is about preserving liberty and freedom in this world. Every time we see an increase of freedom in the world, uh, the world changes for the better. And I think what we're seeing today, I agree with CZ, what we need is the freedom of transactions, the freedom of money, and the freedom to travel. Well, that's a beautiful statement. Thank you, Caleb. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll speak again, okay? All right. Thanks, Wei. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And I hope you join us again next time.